Welcome to another special episode of Africa's State of Mind, a podcast about great Africans doing great things on the continent and around the globe. It is all about changing the narrative on Africa, owning our own stories and controlling them. The podcast is definitely about curating incredible African stories by Africans. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for your suggestions and comments on our social media pages. Our social media pages, again, for those who just joined us, Facebook at Africa State of Mind, Twitter at Africa State Mind. Let's get straight into this episode. It was around January 2007 when my guest on today's episode of Africa's State of Mind's life took a whole different turn, to put it mildly. Oddly enough, I actually remember being at the launch of the Oprah Leadership Academy. For the most part, it was a hushed up affair and nobody in South Africa news or media knew that anything was happening. And this is quite surprising considering the fact that the audience was made up of some of the biggest names on the planet at the time. The world was introduced to a special group of girls handpicked by Oprah Winfrey herself to be part of the Leadership Academy. One of the brightest stars from that special group of students is in studios with me today. To think she went from being a young girl who was orphaned when her mom passed away to HIV AIDS at the age of nine. She literally came from an area so poor that most South Africans would just hide if they heard anything about it. Um, they would totally overlook her. She literally has now become a treasure not only to South Africa but to the rest of the world. As an international speaker, this year she was the first black woman at the age of 24. Five to give a commencement speech at Montverde Academy. She's spoken at the White House where she got to introduce Oprah Winfrey at Michelle Obama's United States of Women. As though that isn't enough, she has numerous projects going on and we're going to keep talking about them because she seems to be busy, um, including her, her monthly YouTube vlog Intention and Journaling and of course her Share Your Story campaign. She comes as one but stands as 10,000. Tens of thousands of young people who believe we can make a difference in this world. Oprah Winfrey boasts of her in this way. She's going to be a powerhouse. I expect that she'll end up being um, in a major political role in South Africa in the years to come, or even president. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to our presidente. <laughs> um, Pumi Nobiva, welcome to Africa State of Mind. It's just... <laughs> It's awesome to have you in studio. You're literally awesome the to be DNA here. of this podcast. Oh man, thank you. It's such it's such an honor to be here. You know, it's always so interesting when I hear these intros like introduce me and I'm just like, is that me? Is, yeah. that, is that really good? Because you just, I I wake up every day and I just try to make a difference. And I, I, I try to maybe um, achieve some goals that maybe are somewhat important. Goals that are meant to to be impossible or far reaching for for girls like me, mm. but it's it's always humbling to hear the 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 lineup being dropped mm. like that. And I I have to applaud you. You did your homework. You you, came, <laughs> you, you speak facts only. <laughs> I like facts. You know facts only. So yeah. thank you for having me here. It's Definitely. Yeah. So uh, I want to just go back to actually the launch of the of the leadership academy. I was yeah. in that audience. Were was, you now? Yes, ah. quite literally. So it was so crazy. I remember I was out. I've just out of high school and I just started in media then nice and it was just there were these girls like in front you were standing next to the living library and people were putting putting books in there um yes, you know yes, signed yes, books yes. do you remember all of that oh thank you not <laughs> faintly but what was that I I always was like imagining like what did that feel like as a young girl because you must it have was been, surreal yeah. it was surreal because I mean I didn't even know what a leader was we walked into that school and we were addressed as leaders mm. we were told that you would make 
an incredible difference in the world mm. that there is uh, a destiny that will unfold in in your path mm. and it begins it it actually has been long in unfolding mm. and now is an opportunity to bring that into full effect mm. um you know i i, I think uh, I, then i was like 13 i was seeing chris tucker <laughs> i was seeing mariah carey you know so i was just like ah <laughs> I grew up in Johannesburg South, you know. Um, my mother had me, she was really young when she had me. My mother mm. was 17. So uh, my uncles, her brothers are all young, you know. So mm. I, they grew up listening to Park. They grew up listening to Hove, Biggie, Big Pond. And I, I, I was raised in like that sort of like very street hip, hip hop culture mm. um, and house and quieto. So for me, I think it was just the celebrities. I yeah. was like, oh my God, Romanati. <laughs> I know him. I know him. I know him. <laughs> like, hey. The celebrities during morning is is that it right now during morning something like that but um yeah. but it changed my life you know um it was really special because I couldn't believe that somebody could come from so far away mm. and find me because I was at a point in my life I was thirteen my grandmother was so worried you know um you're thirteen boys are starting to notice you mm. I come from Johannesburg South Rosettenville we have very high child prostitution mm. rates very high human traffic rates very high drug abuse rates uh very high alcohol consumption rates and uh, women get women and children get raped like no one's business even boys in 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 our society so you know I'm supposed to go to high school. There are like three high schools in my neighborhood. They're all like an hour away, 30 minutes, and I have to walk. And my grandmother had already started sort of um, articulating that concern. And literally, it was within that time that I was approached by my teachers. And they told me that Oprah was coming to South Africa to build a school mm. and that I should apply. Mm. And uh, I didn't know Oprah. I knew her as the woman from TV. Mm. Like, you know, and we still had those black and white TVs. You know, like, um, those, those <laughs> exactly. So all I knew is one, two, three, it's the yeah. woman and she's always happy and she always makes people happy, but I had no insight on her impact and who she was. Mm. So that's why it, it continues to be a special thing for me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and you get the unique, um, you've had the unique opportunity, um, obviously of spending a lot of time with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved it cause I watched your, you, you are a phenomenal, a phenomenal speaker. I'm Thank so you. sorry. Can I just say that? No, I appreciate Honestly, that. Honestly, <laughs> the way you capture an audience, I love your honesty. I love just, you always go as you are. And yes. so many people lose that. So don't ever lose that. I love Thank that you. about I you. That. It doesn't matter where you are. You'll be with Michelle Obama and you're still like, I'm boomy. <laughs> say what? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I have to, because if I don't, then I forfeit the essence of who I am. Mm. And the last thing I want is to be, uh, you know, I've read so many press headlines. I remember reading an article that profiled me as an, the, the Oprah protege or the Oprah da-da. I don't know what that is. You know, mm. I'm, 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 mm. I grew up in the streets of Johannesburg. Mm. I grew up listening to rap music. I grew up listening to house. I'm an artist at heart. Uh, mm. I did everything you can imagine. A young child does in, in mm. streets as dangerous as that. And I never want to lose that essence. That's why I put up that post, actually, that post that uh, Jay-Z raised me, Oprah launched yeah. me, Beyonce. You know what I mean? Because it's true. It's facts. Mm. I, I don't want to get to where I am in life and become something else because I then disconnect from where I come from. And the reason I do what I do is so that everyone 
who who has ever gone through what I've gone through, who has struggled, mm. who has who has been orphaned, who has slept without food, who you know, I, I, I need those people to identify. I need them mm-hmm. to know that they can make it, that mm-hmm. they are they as they are in their truth are enough. Mm-hmm. Because in all of us we already are enough. This mm-hmm. is something Oprah taught me. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to get to the US and, and start assimilating to that culture in a way that demands for me to forego my own essence. I, I need people to fall in love with me and my heart mm-hmm. and be attracted to that. Mm-hmm. Because how will my cousin Untogozo in Soweto know that she can make it if all of a sudden I've got a crazy twang and I'm, I'm a, my name's and, 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 yeah, you know, I, and, <laughs> and it's not a hit on anyone. Yeah. It's just to say, I, it feels really important mm. for me to be authentic because I have to believe that every, everything I've gone through in life, every, everything that has shaped me has been for a reason. Mm. And one day maybe I'll be somebody who many people can look to and see themselves in that. Mm. My job is not to separate myself. I, I hold myself responsible to remaining very accessible, mm. especially for people who, who are most relegated, who don't see themselves represented in, 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 in narratives like giving commencement speeches, in narratives like owning companies, sitting on board of directors. Like I have to do that because otherwise, you know, Jay-Z would say, if not, th- if not then why bother? Right. Sure. I have to. It's it's I'm responsible because I've I've been you see, I think a lot of the times people think that just because we come from struggle, there's something wrong with that. Mm. The struggle is great because it teaches you a lot. You know, they say if you're if, if, if you fall down on your knees, don't be afraid to stay there for a while. Hmm. Stay Please there. say that again. <laughs> stay there. If you yeah. if you find that you you're down and, and you're discouraged and life is not, you know, looking up for you and you're just down on your knees and you have no faith, you know, stay there, stay down, learn, like be okay with, 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 with things not being quote unquote perfect because mm-hmm. it's in those imperfect moments that you discover your own beauty. Sure. It's in those imperfect moments where you have your back against the wall that your, your, your tenacity comes through, your courage comes through because then you really, really want to get whatever it is that you mm-hmm. want in life. And so our job as human beings is not for us to always be at the peaks, the peaks and the valleys are a part of the journey, yeah. you know, and, um, for me, I have to bring all of that forward. If I'm going to celebrate Oprah uplifting me, I have to be comfortable with talking about, you know, my family's still struggling. You know, we've moved them from the back rooms that they were in, but we're not in the houses yet, but we're proud mm-hmm. of where we are because I want young girls who live in flats to know that that's also okay. I can work from mm-hmm. here and work my way up. But I can't inspire in that way if I make it here and I suddenly become something mm-hmm. I'm not. You know, as you were speaking, I mean, it got me thinking because I think – you know, obviously your background is based on where it is that you are now. It's not, the, your life should not be where it is. Yes, I know, say that all the yeah, time. It should not Facts. be. You, I should not be You should here. not be here. Facts. But I mean, you also seem like somebody who's deeply passionate. And I could even see in your eyes that you really, just your care for your family and everything. How hard is it for you to have to leave every single time because to oh, everybody man. else it might be like well you know Michelle Obama knows your name you know this right, and all right. of that but how hard is it just on a on a on a personal intimate sacrificial level how hard is it even when you had to leave your grandmother and everything talk to us about just that separation and you know going to the states for sure and and that's such purpose. a great that's such a great question honestly like every time i'm in south africa i'm going to come talk to you because <laughs> <laughs> you know um it's it's a great question because from the outside, it's very easy to assume that, oh, the life is so glossy. People think, oh, she lives in Los Angeles, right? Mm. Um, Los Angeles is not my grandmother's uh, mm. 
presence and embrace. Mm. It's, it's it's not it's not the 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 smell of imbaula or mm. uh, Millie's burning close by. It's not the, the 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 sound of my uncles laughing in the next room, just laughing at things we used to do as kids. It's it's an incredible sacrifice because, um, you know, for my family. It's every time I'm home. When I when I left them this weekend, I was supposed to go to Durban. I'm actually working on a song. Can you believe that? Man, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah I'm supposed <laughs> to go to studio to Durban, and I, my grandmother she wouldn't let me go. She she kept saying, "Yes, got to It's like mm. you can just go with me. It's it's an incredible sacrifice because I'm I'm growing and I'm a young woman and a, a lot of those moments they don't get to experience. My my grandmother is 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 aging so beautifully, and there are moments that I wish I, I'd be by her side. You know, my uncle's son, Undumiso, is the apple of my eye because I was 13 when he was born and he had TB. So they had to bring him to my grandmother to nurture him. But, you know, grandmothers are like CEOs of the house and yeah. I had to be managed. <laughs> and so at 13, I, I feel like he's my baby because oh. I, 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 he, I raised him mm. with my grandmother. I saw him take his first steps. And it's so hard for me every time I come home and I, he's grown in ways that um, I'm not able to access as easily because I'm not always there. Mm-hmm. It takes time for him sometimes to to feel safe. He knows I'm there, but I think now I'm starting to become that that figure, that person who's made it. Mm-hmm. And I, I just want to be his sister. I want to oh. be somebody he can, you know, and it's mm-hmm. those things that really... Um, and those things break my heart, but I have to. I have to do what I do because to whom much is given, much is equally required. And mm. I can't get to the stage and start um, second guessing God's plan. Mm. I've actually got to blaze fully into mm. it. And what I've learned is that faithful courage is truly at the core of chasing any dream and daring greatly. Mm. And my courage and my faith tells me that for as long as I continue to put my best foot forward, my family will continue to put their best foot forward, which has been the case. And um, ultimately, very soon, we'll look up and we'll, we'll see the promised land. Mm. And hopefully, I won't, I won't have to be so far away for us to be okay. You're really wise. I feel as though you've had to grow up um, just because of everything you've happened. And normally that, I think that normally happens if you've yeah. come from a place of struggle where mm-hmm. you, you are wiser beyond your years, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. really just awesome to hear you, you say this. In my, I, you. Like if I close my eyes, I would be like, hmm, she, she like a president, you know, like quite <laughs> literally. So I think that's awesome. Now, Thank you. I, I think I wanted to, from when you were speaking, I wanted to segue into just you know, with regards to young people around the continent as mm-hmm. a whole, mm-hmm. from, you know, from Cape to Cairo as a whole, we we have the youngest continent yes. in the world and we're probably going to be the biggest workforce in by 20... Facts. F- yeah, the biggest workforce. And Facts. Africa, I think, I think the stats say that every fifth person, I'm not sure by when, is going to be an African, you know. But yes. we have the youngest um, population, but we also have a, 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 a population of young people across the continent who because of maybe where they are or because of the leaders that are in place feel that they have no option and they have no way of making a change in their um, specific country. And then they kind of, everybody kind of lives their, their lives through social media and they forget to live their lives through their community. Mm. I think that your story is so powerful in that. So let's just talk about social media because you're, you're on social media, but you're not there just for the sake of being there. Every time you post, it is something powerful. It is something profound. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's fun stuff. Yeah. Other times I'm jealous because I'm just like, why am I like, why am I not there? <laughs> you know, but just just about that um as young africans how do we navigate how do we own this that? Yeah. right right i mean th- there are many th- you said a lot of things and things that i actually 
are the reason that have brought me to South Africa. I'm here to, I, I, I put out word that I wanted to do fearless speakers essay and I'm having issues with venues and that. So I came into South Africa to have those conversations mm-hmm. because I think that it is, per, it, it is, it is of vital importance that we actually understand that the fourth industrial revolution is certainly upon us. It is happening. Mm. Technology is at the forefront of that. Africa is the next Asia. These Mm. are facts. You have Mandarin being taught in our schools. Mm. You have Chinese building highways across our deserts. You know, you have the tallest mall in Africa named Mall of Africa, but it's not owned by African people. Mm. And so this this is an issue because you know, we know we know how to recognize colonialism in its traditional setting. When you have people come to the shore and take your land. And put yes, chains around yes. you. Then but you when can. we speak mm-hmm. of the fourth industrial revolution, similar concept. You know, you have uh, your cryptocurrencies. You have your new economies that are coming out of um, uh, cultural capital. And we're not aware of that. We're not aware of that. That's my biggest concern is whether or not we as young people understand that the world is headed our way. It is the fourth industrial mm. revolution. The United States knows this. The EU knows this. Uh, you know, and, and I... I have a concern that we as a youth don't understand that it is really us. You look at South Africa alone. We are the numbers. We are the youth in majority. And this is a democracy. If we decide that we want to change the narrative, it has to be that way and no (laughs) other way. Mm -hmm. I find that in a lot of ways we've been doctrinized. We've been uh, over time. We've been um, we've been taught to seek permission. We've been taught that for me to access my power, I need your... We've been taught that prerequisite to our own power and ambition seeks approval. Mm. Because as a people, in, as a people who are formerly oppressed, that's what slavery is. It says before you do anything, you ask the master. Mm. Right now, we are, free, we are free nations and we need to move about in that way. You know, for me, social media, I, I actually wasn't always this smart on social media. I used to post dumb things, man. <laughs> oh my God. Like things that embarrass me. You know, like I'm just like... <laughs> What's your dumbest post in memory? <laughs> oh man, like dumb things. You know, things like I grew up in the South. So, um, you know, I, and I never want to shy away from these things. I grew up in the South, so very early you're experimenting with different things and uh, you have friends, you're going to parties and you take those pictures, you put them on Facebook, maybe you're holding a glass of something. Mm. That's not appealing. That's not appealing because you are a young potential brand and you limit yourself in a lot of ways when you put those things out. Mm. It's not to say don't show your lifestyle, but it's but to it's say be very think. careful yeah. about it. Mm. You know, um, I grew up without a father. I grew up, uh, my, my grandfather, so my grandparents raised me I was orphaned when I was nine so I didn't have a father and in a lot of ways I think I looked for love in in friends or I dated a lot of guys and you know I I I think about all those things and you see how a woman treats herself you can see you know um Quincy Jones shout out to Quincy (laughs) Quincy Jones has an amazing documentary on Netflix Mm. and uh his daughter I think they're in Stockholm Sweden uh, which is where I want to go to to work on music. But his daughter asks him. She says, "Dad, how do you handle the pressure and and ego? Like, how do you keep these things in balance?" He says, "You know what? Ego is just overdressed insecurity. Hmm. Ego. Can we just have a pause there? Is overdressed insecurity. Sure. And I can think of so many times where I've you know uh, in the past where it's in the past where um, you know." It's like remember you're feeling insecure about something and you don't know how to communicate it, mm. so you want to go and take a sexy picture 
and expose, you know what I mean? Like maybe you want an extra cleavage or you want to show <laughs> like, your bum or whatever. Look, it's nice to love yourself, but it's it's not okay when you do it because you're trying to fill a void mm. or you're trying to 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 get yourself to a point of um, self-worth instead of doing mm. the actual real work. Mm. You know, I'm lucky to have had mentors like Oprah Winfrey who have had to say to me, look, this sort of thing, you want to use it as a tool. This is a tool because you know what? I learned this. I work in Los Angeles and I'm in technology. So I, I work in, with a lot of startups and a lot of my friends are in tech startups. The, the app Instagram is designed to retain your attention. The ads that you're seeing mm. are, are, they've been populated based mm. on your interest. So when you're on Instagram and when you are putting yourself out there, you are actually helping the platform become more profitable. You're not making any money. Every time you post, you don't make any money. Every time you post and tag a Nike, it's like, um, you know, it's like, uh, you know, uh, you look at uh, the Men in Black movie, right? The, when Men in Black first came out with Will Smith and Will Ferrell. Yes. Um, they, they, that movie hit t- 10 million in sales, but the shades that they're wearing sold 14 million. Sure. And the shades didn't pay to be in the movie. Wow. And so mm. the same thing. We take brands and we put them on because you have an ego. You want to brag and say, I've got Gucci. Gucci did not pay to be on your platform. So Gucci's making money off of you. <laughs> and so what I had to learn is, oh, snap. So this is my platform. And so I need to use this as a tool that actually speaks to my intention. Mm. And if I post something, it needs to be progressive and it mm. needs to be in alignment and it needs to be in my voice and it needs to be pointed towards a, a larger intention, mm. you know? And, and that's the thing is we, we always run that risk as, as young people because social media, I guess in its nature, social media in its nature is, um, is, is designed in the U S you know, formal culture, the, the fear of missing out. It's designed to make you feel like you're missing out. And the, so but that, that's the intention of the, the people who developed the app. Yeah, because yeah. when you feel like you're missing out, then you then spend you, more time yeah. on the app. That's yeah. why now it's like it's crazy because you'll have a conversation about an <coughs> Apple Watch and then Sninin, you're on Instagram and there's an Apple Watch ad. Or you're on yeah, Facebook. Yeah, that stuff has happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pop- exactly. So yeah. all of those things are, are, are metrics. And so sure. you, you go, maybe you go online and you, Rihanna's launching Fenty and you go and you put your email in Fenty. Those are brands Those are businesses Mm. Your email is capital It's Mm. like how Facebook We've all become the product For Facebook Mm. Which is really messed up Right Mm. And so Your email Your your, This is a It's it's an information See the The culture we're living in Right now Is a culture that um, The currency is information Mm. So if I have your information Then I'm able to Go and sell An email list Of 5 billion people Da 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 Which is the whole scam With with, with Facebook And Russia Right Mm -hmm. And so we as young people don't realize that as we engage with these devices and platforms, we're actually giving ourselves away in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Nothing is and free. And we're giving them information mm-hmm. that helps them understand how to retain us and keep us longer mm-hmm. to be stronger consumers. Mm-hmm. And when I understood that, I was like, oh, no, uh-uh. you know, there's, there's already been so much profit in um you know, I, I look at someone like my grandmother who's been cleaning houses from when she was 15 years old. That legacy has not trickled down to her children, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's the challenge I say to my friends all the time. Yeah, you got, you, you got this great job with this great company, but how is that trickling down to your own legacy? 
when you when you when you create a show how uh, how is that show going to speak to the legacy of who you are and what you're building outside of that yes. because then how is that different from my grandmother waking up every day to go clean houses it it makes no sense at all you know so these are the sort of things that i think should be conversation mm. the, the the fact that you know um the world is coming our way. You know, you have to question intention, right? Um, China is, is very easily overpopulated and we know that they're going to move into, into the African region. You can see people making business meetings and look, I'm all for globalization or whatever the case is. But if you come into our schools and teach Mandarin, when there are still kids starving in the townships and you're saying you're helping South Africa or you're helping. helping. Mm. I don't get that because what that tells me is you're teaching the language of labor. You see in the United States, Spanish is the second largest language because the Hispanic people, Mexican people, that's the language they speak. And so if I need to, if I need you to be a profitable aspect of my business, I need you to speak my language. And right now, our kids are being taught the language of labor because it is the fourth industrial wave and it's here. How old are you again? I'm so 25. People, facts. Can you, <laughs> seriously, because you speak a lot. I mean, the way, the things that you say, the leaders around the world who don't have as much insight as what you do. But I, I wanted to ask you, um, to kind of change the, the conversation a, a bit. You, Truly are, or you have been an African in America. America, yeah. Not an African American. Yeah. So, <laughs> a you big, know what I mean? Very big difference. Big difference. So, what has that um, experience been like with regards to the way that you interact with Africans, with African Americans as an African in America, and then just with America as a whole? I say it's been the core of my success. Mm-hmm. It's been the core. Uh, when I graduated from the academy and I went to Johnson C. Smith, I mean, it was before I, I, I shaved my hair and, mm-hmm. and all of that. But I always embraced my Africanness. I knew, I, I, I remember always like doing these head wraps. First of all, I, I, I stood out, number one, um, because you see, to get to a place like that and start assimilating and letting go of who I am is so sacrilegious because mm. it's like saying, um, you know, now you have somebody from international, whatever, joining the soccer team. The people of, it needs, it, it must mean something that you come from a different place. You've got to bring a different flavor. You've got to contribute differently. You've got to actually help that culture move forward. Mm. You can't do that if you go into that culture and want to dissolve into it. You Powerful. don't add to the diversity. You don't add to the, to the depth. You don't bring any, any gravitas to anything because you're just losing the essence of who you are Mm -hmm. because you want to be validated in in people. And, you know, naturally I went to a historically black university and, um, and that was a very intentional decision. I went to a small school because I didn't want to be a number. I wanted to be known as Mbumi Mm -hmm. and I wanted a black school because I wanted to be with people whom I could feel I could identify with. And, um, you know, Getting to America, we were we were easily embraced. Now, I'm going to be honest, that could particularly be because we're, we were like, especially then it was just the whole Oprah girl thing, mm. Oprah girl thing. But generally, I mean, we had a lot of great homies like African-American people, white people, Hispanic mm. people, like really jam with us. But we stood out. And when I really, really started um, rocking with my speaking career, I accelerated because from an aesthetic standpoint, I stand out. I'm lucky that I'm tall. I have my grandfather's bone. Mm. Um, but, you know, now I'm bold and I, I speak my African narrative. And so you can't fill that gap. I don't care who you are. You can't, you can't fill that gap. So mm. that actually is great for my market because it creates a bigger demand for me and the sort of contribution that I'm able to bring into those spaces. Mm. And 
as with any culture, no matter where you are in the world, you know, um, the native people can always sometimes maybe feel intimidated or there's, you can always, uh, be mistreated. You know, people have crazy stereotypes about what it means to be African or what it means to be South African. And it was so disappointing to get to the U.S. and meet some African, pe- African American people who d- don't understand that, uh, we are developing nations and we have mm. water. And no, I don't have a, 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 look, if a lion comes, I'm going to run too. <laughs> What exactly. do you think? You think I'm just going to chill? Like I'm not petting that thing. <laughs> no, I don't have a pet lion. You know, I mean, you know, uh, but it just goes to show. And I used to have such an impatience for that until I understood the miseducation of, um, there's a book by Carter G. Woodson called the, the, the Miseducation of a Negro. It teaches you about what happened to our African people when they were taken as slaves mm. from Central West Africa through those ports, through the Atlantic slave trade over the Atlantic uh, Ocean. And you learn about how they were stripped of their identity and you learn about how the mandate of the, 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 the slave owners was to strip you of your identity, strip you of your essence, your self-determination so that you could truly be a slave and build America, which is what happened. So now you have a lot of black people who actually are our people with our blood and our heritage and are so far removed from that and actually even want to make themselves feel better by downtrotting Africa. Mm. And it's so sad because you come from here. Mm. You know, you, you, I see a lot of you cats not who are like African American mm-hmm. and I'm like, as long as Buziso, like he looks like a legit Buziso <laughs> or he looks like a legit, you know what I mean? Like you see, you see some African American people who literally look like Debanj, you know, that's why people love Debanj because Debanj in their mind looks closer to an American yeah, guy. Yeah. That's stupid. That's all African flavor. It's mm. just hot like that. Mm. But that's why, that's why I'm so outspoken about the systemic injustices that are so apparent in our society, mm. just because apartheid is gone, it doesn't mean it has completely left. Exactly. Right? Just because we don't see the chains doesn't mean slavery has completely left. Yep. The nature, you know, Utata used to say that the, the oppressor defines the nature of the struggle, but not the outcome of it. The nature of each struggle will be, will be uh, tailored to the time. So mm. right now, slavery wouldn't make sense for people to be walking in chains or whatever. Mm. But slavery does make sense right now when it comes from, you know, if we're talking economic opportunity. Opportunities and, and just how much we can all access them, or if we're talking the the inability to establish generational wealth because we don't have access to mm-hmm. land, like those are still systemic injustices. It's still there, you see? Mm-hmm. and we have to be outspoken about them because what we, my biggest fear and my biggest um, the the thing that I'm fighting against most is for us to look up. And see an Africa that has been once again recolonized in a different way through technology, you know, through, uh, through economics, global economics, mm-hmm. because we're just so excited that, oh my God, they're coming in to build companies. No, we want to like, build think our about companies. It. Like, yeah, think about what that means. Think, think about, about what, the, yeah. what that means. Yeah. Oh my God, you know, uh, Gucci's coming here to do this. Nah, like, first of all, build, have your own. Yeah. And when Gucci comes, let them negotiate an equity. Exactly. This is your home. You want ownership. You want to establish mm-hmm. so that you can really move culture mm. forward we can't do that if mm. we're not empowered because i think at the end of the day um what you're saying reminds me of what one of the other guests um on the podcast had actually said about how africa is not a marketplace and that's mm-hmm. what's happening people yes. just look when yes. you speak about gucci and yes. all these internet like we're saying we don't mind that happening but it, it needs to be yeah then, it needs to be done on equal par like right. it needs to be done on equal par not coming in but and for taking that over. to happen we need to know who we are <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not going to do something unless it's negotiated in mm-hmm. terms that work for me. Mm. You know, I like, I, 
Oprah, mom always so boss. I'm not going to say her exact words, but she was trying to teach me, like, school me around business. And she's like, look, I don't leave my house for less than bam. It's that. It's simple. Mm. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you're doing. Mm. The terms are this. And you see, as, as African people, we have been... This is one of my debates when, 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 when people do things that are, are out of the norm. And very quickly, as African people, we, we're quick to shut them down and say, no, that's, that's not the African way. Mm. Tell me exactly. What, what is, is the, the, African the African way? way? Mm-hmm. Like from what point do you actually derive the African way? Mm. Is it pre-colonialism? Is it apartheid? Is it after apartheid? Is it like we, we, we have not had time, you know, just learning from a historical standpoint that our region here in South, in South Africa was first, was first settled by the Khoisan and the Bantu people before um, the first slave ship, Yaga Jan van Riebeck came in 1655, mm. right? Or something. Those numbers always mix me up. Could be the other way around. My point being that we barely had enough time to even realize because at that point we were Khoi and Bantu to even realize who we are. We didn't even have that time Mm. because before we could look up, there were suddenly ships. Before we could look up, the land was suddenly gone. Before you can look up, it's suddenly apartheid. Every time you blinked. What is the Mm. African way? And so Mm. you need to be the one to define what is the African Mm. way. And you can't do that from a place of of scarcity. Mm. You can't attract abundance. You can't attract wealth with a mentality of being broke. Mm. You got to feel like I'm rich. You got to feel like I'm blessed. You got to feel like I have everything I need right now to go Mm. get that. Because if you're sitting here like, man, I'm just, you know, I'm I'm just African. I just want a favor. That's all you're going to get. Mm-hmm. That's all you're going to get And that's how we continue to be sold short Because mm. we sell ourselves short mm. you know. And that's my frustration I look at I was uh, driving down Grayson Yo, this guy like he's, he's a young guy, man He's so talented You know, our, our young And this, this is the thing that really drives me crazy Is to have young people on highways Begging for money Young people on highways Putting up big signs Asking for jobs Like That's actually a sign of just how our society Has lost sight of the most important capital in our economy that is literally Mm -hmm. the future that is literally the people who are going to be taking this nation forward Mm -hmm. and you have somebody who has gotten a a bsc degree and and gotten what what degree and he's standing on william nickel where literally he could be hit by a car anytime that's a family's biggest investment you know (laughs) that thing drives me crazy but when i when i saw this guy his feet are moving so quickly like like he's doing this (laughs) dance but he's in the air and he's juggling these things and i'm just like that's mad talent. Like, mm. That's so fresh. Mm. That's so fresh. You take those kids, you take them off the streets and you give them an opportunity to see themselves. You never know where they'll end up. Yes. And mm. then we can start calling ourselves a rainbow nation. Right mm. now, we're not. Right now, mm. we're po- a political and a very, you know, I feel like all our topics are very easily politicized or racialized. And that's oppressive for our youth because mm. we are not racist. We as the youth, when we talk about the Mandela legacy, the children yes. who are the legacy, we're not racist. My best friend in the seventh grade was uh, Dylan Swanepoel. You know, uh, Shanae Richards was my best friend. Roxanne <laughs> Bowers was my best friend. Leila Randera is my person. Mm. Like, we're not racist people. We're not sexist people. Mm. But we find that because the, the, the climate of, of, of Africa mm. has been so politicized because of systemic injustice and colonialism, we don't know how to actually value and appreciate culture from a sociological standpoint we take everything and immediately politicize it yeah and that's why you have depression rates that's why you have young people mm. you look at someone like kensani maseko kensani broke my heart yeah i'm still a, not okay from that mm. kensani was bright was, you, you yeah. just go on her instagram and you could see she's such a bright young mm. girl 
And for her to reach a point where she felt like she had nowhere else to go and that the only way out would be to kill herself, that is a sign that in our society, we are not not where we're supposed to be. You know, sure. and that for me is the biggest concern. That's why I'm back and I'm saying, guys, we need to actually talk about the power of story. We need to talk about how it is the pain of being you that is the power of being you. We need to talk mm-hmm. about how being poor, having AIDS, being abused, whatever it is that you face when you are in poverty, that's nothing to be ashamed of because those are symptoms of the system and the culture. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, you're going to find these, 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 these realities if we have just been oppressed and we're living in a society where there isn't economic equity, where there isn't, um, where there isn't, uh, equal access to land and ownership. Like you will find these things. And I find that when we are ashamed, I'm ashamed because I'm an AIDS orphan. I'm ashamed because I'm an Anna. You actually propagate, you further advance the mandate of colonialism because Definitely. its true rule was to divide and conquer. And you're, you're playing it out every day. You're playing it out every day when mm. you choose to sit in your shame, mm. when you don't see the brother, the sister next mm. to you, when you don't say, Hey, how can we collaborate? How can we be innovative? Hey, how can we mm. work together? And you sit and say, you know, I was saying this to my family the other day. I said to them, guys, please, you know, I'm just going to ask for a simple favor. I know you guys are not these people, but you know, in case you ever catch yourself being these people, please. The most embarrassing thing is for an African person, a Zulu person to say, uh, Lona, it's someone from Africa, from wherever, you know, mm-hmm. or this one is from Venda or, or somebody from the outside saying, you know, uh, South Africans are stupid. South African men are lazy. South African women are this. It sounds stupid because you know what? We're all one people. The African continent was never, was never, was separated. never separated. Number yeah. one, it was never mm-hmm. divided the way it was. People just came like a piece of cake and said, which piece do you want? Mm-hmm. And throw a name on it. That's how that happened. Mm-hmm. So when we, when I'm in the United States, and you look at cases like xenophobia for people who are American, for people who are non-South African, that looks so stupid. Mm. It looks like you're it fighting like, against yourself. Yeah, It looks like yeah. you're peeking into a household mm. and the siblings are just killing each other. Mm. You look at that big xenophobic attack. I'll never forget it. I was at um, I was at the University of Cape Town at the time doing a study abroad when we had the second wave of xenophobic attacks. And what was his name? He was I think he was from Zimbabwe or Mozambique and he was stabbed. You could see in the on the front page, you could see him from when they mm. approach him to when they stab him to when he falls to when he dies. I was traumatized. It was the first time in my life where on print media I could see a murder take place. And I kept saying, how is this normalized in our culture? And how are we just, okay? Yeah, and people are just like, okay. oh, I'm a newspaper, Shempega. No, that's actually not normal. That's not normal. That's not normal. Mm. But for that to happen, when in those pictures there was no white man. And that's how you know that the colonial rule has been successful because now he doesn't even have to be there Mm -hmm. for you to carry that mandate forward. Mm -hmm. And you look ridiculous and you sound ridiculous when you say your your African brother or sister is this, is Mm -hmm. less of you or whatever. It's ridiculous Mm -hmm. because to the world, we are all one people. And the sooner we can get our act together is the sooner we can protect our land, the sooner we can protect our wealth, the sooner we can protect our resources, the sooner we can protect our narrative. We want the people who wrote our own stories. Do you understand that the, the, the first time the, the, the African, the first time the character of an African person arrived to literature was by the hands of a white man who would sure. say the black man is barbaric, is this, is this. Yeah. And so I have studied narrative. I have lived the power of story. And I tell you that you are the story you tell yourself. We are the stories that we speak. And so when you are being xenophobic, 10 years from now, you that is speaking, the story you story become. You become mm-hmm. And we're so reckless with mm-hmm. our narrative. We're sure. so powerful. If they can take 
things off the streets that our mamas design and throw them on runways and sell them at Louis V for a thousand dollars. Like, and when you are you actually going to see that yeah. you are the person with the value? Exactly. Exactly. If Black Panther and all black cast, okay, with except with the exception of the the white character, and don't even ask me about that because I, <laughs> I didn't think that was necessary. But if a Black Panther, right? If a Black Panther can sell out. An all black cast can and go Afri- out, and a lot of them African, and a lot of them mm-hmm. African. And actually, these are African narratives. Mm-hmm. You know, actually, I actually I love Black Panther, but I also don't want to get into the economics <laughs> of that. You know what? <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> if that can happen, then you need to know that God, there's something special about yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Like valuable. we're selling out cinemas. My black is beautiful. My bold is fresh. Like my history and narrative. The fact that we were able to survive out of colonialism. The fact that the numbers, the numbers are the reason. First of all, I'd like to mention a fact. Fact number one is for us to even sit here in the legacy of Utata and 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 have the bragging rights to be a free nation. You know, Utata when he was in prison, there was a woman by the name of Winnie Nomzamo Matigizela Mandela mm. who was on the ground fighting that fight, writing to international people. Some of whom I've met. My host dad was the only person outside of the Mandela family who could visit him during his time in Palsmo prison. Sure. When the Mandela kids left to go to the United States, they visited him. His name is Mr. Brown. And you know what? What I'm trying to get to is for us to even have Udada, for us to not be sitting here and saying, whatever happened to our leader? You know, Biko got killed. Our leaders were getting killed. The reason that he was able to stay alive was because of that woman who made sure that his name was never forgotten. Sure. And that's something that I always feel is important because women play a lot of roles in society and that are overlooked. Mm-hmm. And I really am impatient about the Winnie Mandela mm-hmm. one because I can't think of a greater sacrifice that mm-hmm. any woman can make. And it's what's really sad is that I think for the most part, her story became highlighted after she passed away. Because I remember, I know. With I the remember watching documentary. It, yes. And exactly. I remember watching um, a lot and, and, and I just thought to myself, I found myself crying often yes. thinking like, it's wow, heartbreaking. how is this year? You almost feel like we just didn't deserve her we did exactly we just didn't deserve her yeah. you know and so it's, it's it's saying all of that to say i forgot what my second point was but um that's that's you know i was my my second name is winnie i was named after winnie so i'm a little protective over mm. her as well but um the essence of what i'm trying to get to is we as black people we as abantube Cesare are so beautiful we are the cultural capital of the next wave mm. if we want black panther wouldn't sell out if we want naomi campbell and 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 diddy wouldn't be working on the black excellence thing and, and mm. merging with wiz kid if we want fresh Ciroc wouldn't be coming and rolling out those ambassadors like we need to get about the business of knowing and understanding our value you need to we need to be proud of who we are we need to own our narrative like it's actually so boss that you can come out as an AIDS orphan, come out of poverty, come out of all of that and still trailblaze and still come out at the top of the class or and still do something. That's actually boss. Mm. It's, 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 it's the scars, the things that you go through in life that actually give you so much mm. more meaning. And you're not supposed to be ashamed of that. At you're all. actually supposed to give meaning to that, give value to that and set the terms and conditions for anyone who wants to capitalize off of that because they will capitalize off Definitely. of you. Pumi, we're going to have to cut the conversation here. I'll be back. No, listen, you have to be back. <laughs> All the gems that you're dropping. I normally have um, this amazing, uh, or in my mind, amazing, but these wrap-ups about people. But I think that what I love about this conversation is that you articulate your narrative perfectly. And I'm Thank not going to take that away from you. I'm Thank not going to try and be like, listen, I can say it better because you've said it better. Thank you. you live your narrative perfectly. Yes. You articulate your narrative perfectly. Yes. And, and it's doing perfectly that, imperfect. Perfectly imperfect. Yes. And 
that's what it's perfect because it is who you are. Yes. And I hope yes. more than anything, that's what people get from this episode. It's okay and it's important to be imperfectly who exactly. you are. First of all, you alone are enough. Mm-hmm. You alone are enough. It is the pain of being you that is the power mm-hmm. of being you. Take what you're given. You know, Bishop T.D. Jake says, if God gives you a tree, see the chair, see the table, see mm-hmm. the car, see the, like, move. They can't, they can't shake you. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing more attractive than confidence. There's yep. nothing more attractive than boldness. But actually speak your facts, work hard, put in the work, you know, and, and use your social media, use your platforms as a mechanism to empower yourself mm-hmm. and just stop giving yourself away in the name of ego. Because like we said, that's just overdressed insecurity. And it's obvious. It screams so loud. And she screams so loud in awesome ways. Thank you so much for being our guest on today's episode of Africa State of Mind. You literally are the the DNA of what this podcast is all about. I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna add anymore. I'm just gonna go home <laughs> and think about my life and be like, listen. Oh, no, <laughs> you're doing you well, so man. Much. You're doing well. Thank you. Bravo so much. to you guys. Thank, thank you. you. I'll be back. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Africa State of Mind. I hope that you enjoy listening to this podcast as much as we enjoy putting it together for you. And once again, a big shout out to all of the amazing people um, from around the amazing continent of Africa, uh, you know, who are really doing their part with regards to changing the narrative. Don't forget that you can interact with us um, on our Twitter handle at Africa State Mind. You can also join the Africa State of Mind group on Facebook. And please remember to rate us um, on iTunes. Let us know how it is that you think that we're doing. And if you have any ideas for any guests or people from your particular country uh, within the continent of Africa that are really changing the narrative, please be sure to share it with us. That's all we have for time for today. My name is Lika Sumba, Africa State of Mind. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Africa State of Mind with Lika Sumba. Get it on iTunes now.